Welcome to the Renew Life Church Podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Merry Christmas. That's about as Christmas as this message is going to get. So I'm just warning you, I... Uh, uh, it's an interesting day. I can be. I can honestly say that there's definitely something in the atmosphere. There's definitely uh, uh, the atmosphere is pregnant with something big. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to what happens with the rest of this service. I'm looking forward to my message. If I'm being quite honest with you, I'm ready to hear it. So uh, if you got your Bibles, turn to John chapter four. We'll jump right in. I, like I said, this is about as uh, saying Merry Christmas is about the only Christmas thing I could think to throw into this message. I, I, I've tried my whole life to be like so cool and seasonal and have catchy topics that went with the seasons and I just can't pull it off. So, uh, we're just going to jump right in. The Lord's just really been uh, speaking to me about some things little did I know how clear he was speaking until even early this morning, uh, when he revealed some things to me in scripture about where we're going. And so how the service has kind of started off, I'm not, I'm not really surprised, um, I'll start this message today. I'll probably finish it uh, in January 5th uh, when we get back to the new year. This is going to be a lot about the new year, so I'm going to preach kind of a New Year's-ish message on, on Christmas, I guess. But um, there's, there's just definitely some things. Uh, we had a, a friend of ours who's a prophet, and he said something to Leanne and I at a dinner uh, a few weeks ago, and I just I can't get it out of my head. I'll, I'll share it with you now. Um, he said this year... Prophetically, this year was about next year, but next year is about the next 10 years. This year was about next year, but next year was about the next 10 years. And I think it just added, not in a negative way, but it just added some weight, some significance, and some focus to what's happening next year and what God's saying about next year. And so uh, I think a lot of today's message, January 5th's message, uh, has a lot to do with setting the table for what God wants to do, not... Uh, just in your life, but in this city, in the body of Christ at, at large, uh, over the next 10 years. There's, some, there's a timing, uh, there's kind of an open heaven, open window of time here uh, to get some things right, that once those things get right, the momentum will start and it will not stop. And so uh, I'm, I'm very excited about uh, that. And, man, I just, yeah, let's just go to John 4 before I start going a whole other direction. Um, John chapter 4, you know the story about the woman in the well. I'll, I'll preface some of it so that we don't have to do quite as much reading. Uh, Jesus is on, the, on a journey. He has, says, I need to go, go back through Samaria. He, he meets this woman at the well, this Samaritan woman. Uh, he's a Jew. She's a Samaritan. And uh, he had sent the disciples in town to get some food. He asked this woman for, for water. She's shocked that he's even speaking to her because Jewish men don't speak to Samaritan women. And so there's already some tension, and there's a conversation that begins to happen. And she's like, why are you speaking to me? And then all these, all these different things were said. But I want to focus on, on something. Today, I want to, for the next just few minutes, I'm going to talk around prophecy and the supernatural. Prophecy and the supernatural. The last couple of weeks, we've talked about, last, last time I was here, I guess, uh, I, taught, I taught a message called Supernatural Sons and Daughters. And so this, this thing is, is, is getting bigger on the inside of me. Uh, but he, he gets in this conversation with this woman, and the, the conversation takes a turn here in verse 16. Uh, many of you have heard this story. He says, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, 
the woman replied. And Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you're not even married to the man you're living with now. You have certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. Uh, if, she, if Jesus says something, and she, her response to what he says, clearly she, he just read her mail, but I want us to acknowledge something, that Jesus speaks. This woman says, sir, you must be a prophet. Is it fair enough to say if she thinks what he just said is a prophet, or if she thinks that because of what he just said, that he's a prophet, that what he just said is a prophecy? Fair enough? That's the inference here. She, she, she all of a sudden has this sense that he is speaking prophetically. He's speaking something into existence that he should not know, or he's speaking about something that is in existence that he, that he should not know. Some say, well, that was a word of knowledge. Maybe, but I'm just saying with this woman, when he said that word, she said, you must be a prophet. So there's de- definitely prophetic inference here. This conversation continues until eventually Jesus tells this woman that I'm the Messiah. He talks to her about, if you only knew this, this, who, who you were speaking to, you'd ask, and I'd give you living water, and all these different conversations happen. Well, so he tells her, I am the Messiah. Let's continue reading in verse 28. It says, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone. Say that with me. Say, telling everyone. Telling everyone. Come and see. So what did she tell everyone? Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Now, that's interesting because to my knowledge and to what the Scripture says, he told her a couple things. He said, you're right, you're living with some dude, and you've been married five other times. He pretty much just told her a couple things, and this woman goes back to the village and says, come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. It's interesting how prophecy impacts people's lives, especially when they're not used to it. It's almost like he says one thing about her, and he's like, and all of a sudden, I don't know if you've ever felt this. I felt this way in the presence of prophets. It's like he knows everything about me. It's it's a very powerful thing that she's she's in she's experiencing here. So she goes back, says, "Come meet a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be?" the Messiah. So this woman encounters Jesus through prophecy, goes and tells everyone, come meet this man who told me everything I ever did. And I watch what happens. This, this, is, this is unique evangelism. So the people came streaming from the village to see him. The people came streaming from the village to see him. Skip ahead to verse 39. It says, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. Notice the, the evangelistic power of prophecy. Jesus prophesied a couple things. It so impacted her, she tells everybody, he told me everything. And he, when she told people, he told me everything, they came streaming. And before they had heard Jesus themselves, they already believed. Is it fair to say prophecy is powerful. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village, so he stayed for two days long enough or more to hear his message and believe. And when they, they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we've heard ourselves, now we know that he is indeed the Savior, Savior of the world. Let's keep reading because I'm going to get to some stuff. John 4, let's go down to verse 46. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana where he turned the water into wine. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. 
When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son who was about to die. Jesus asked, will you never believe me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said, and he started home. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was now alive and well. And he asked them when the boy had begun to get better, and they replied, yesterday afternoon about 1 o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that it was at that very time that Jesus had told him, your son will live. And he, now check this out, now he and his entire household believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. Again, I, I'm, I'm talking around the idea of prophecy and the supernatural. And here in John chapter 4, in just two uh, back-to-back stories, we see Jesus encounter a woman, speaks into her life prophetically, She's so impacted, she goes and tells a village about, what, about Jesus. People come streaming, already believing before having even heard Jesus. They're already believing in Jesus because of prophecy. Immediately after this, and of course, then he stays two days, many more believed in him. The very next story, Jesus encounters a government official. He speaks the word. This boy that should be dead is now instantly, he says he suddenly was healed, suddenly got completely better. The fever suddenly disappeared. So you see this this supernatural miracle take place, and the response to that miracle, the first miracle was that he prophesied. The second miracle was that he laid hands, or he didn't even lay hands on the sick. He sent his word, and his word healed the boy. So in in back-to-back miracles, the second miracle, an entire household was saved because of the message of Jesus healing this boy's life. Now, the reason I'm bringing this to to your attention is at that very moment, you could say that the, the Christian life began for a whole village and the Christian life began for a whole household, not because of a phenomenal Christmas production or Christmas play or a nativity scene or cool lights and cool screens or a humorous service. Those, the Christian journey began for these people because of prophecy and the supernatural. Prophecy and the supernatural. And I am just at a place in my life personally, let me just get on a little miniature soapbox for just a minute. I'm just at a place where I'm wondering, have we departed so far from what really is supposed to be impacting our world that we're not even engaging or putting the weight that's necessary on prophecy or the supernatural, because we're too busy doing natural things, copying the world's even natural things, to try to impress the world that's already seen it. The, uh, I don't know how, how much of you have followed along with this. It, it is a national news story, Washington, Washington Post. Uh, all, all of California covered this. The world covered this. Uh, so if you've, I hope you've seen this. Um, a week ago yesterday, um, a, a worship leader from Bethel Church uh, um, and her husband, their two-year-old girl, uh, they, they went to go wake her up on a Saturday morning, and she was dead when they found her. 
uh, two years old. How many of you guys have heard anybody, anybody heard about this story? Several of you heard about this story. And um, this girl was, was was dead when they found her. Of course, we we all know, we know all this now. But when this first happened, the reports were not super clear as to exactly what was going on. And I even called some friends of mine, just asking how we could pray. And our church uh, staff, we did a prayer and worship service for her. I think it was on Tuesday or something like that. Was it? I think it was Tuesday, maybe, and Monday or Tuesday. And um, it was interesting because when the reports came out, what ha- what happened was is this girl was found dead by her mom and dad. They called 911, and, um, but the reports that came out said, hey, we're believing God for, we need everyone to pray. All this was on social media. Very, very little actual information came out other than everyone pray. Uh, the doctors have pronounced this baby Olive dead, but we're believing that God's going to raise her from the dead. And they, um, And so if I'm being honest about where I was at, and I think based on some of the response on social media, I assumed, okay, she must be on life support. She must be in a coma. There must be some, some kind of sign leading these people to believe that God could raise her from the dead. There was something in me that thought they're not going to try to raise someone who's completely dead. That, that would be absolutely crazy. That's what was going on in my head. So I, I think I made up a story in my head, even though I had no facts or information, and come to find out I was not the only one making inferences like this. It's like, oh, they must, she must be in the hospital. She must be somewhere. So on social media, that people began to ask, Where, what's going on? This is so vague, yada, yada, yada. And, and around Tuesday, information began to trickle out. No, she's not at the hospital. No, she's not on life support. She's at the morgue. And I, I'll, I'm just going to tell you right now that when that information got me, it was jarring. When I found that out, it, it jarred me. And I was like, oh, my goodness. The, she's, this, this, is, this is some serious business here. And, I'm, and if I'm just being honest with you, I've, I don't know that I've ever been grieved the way I've been grieved over the last several days watching how people have attacked this mom, this dad, these church leaders, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Friends of hers wanting to help just opened up a GoFundMe page, and people are trashing this family right now who's lost her two-year-old daughter, and they're trashing her because of how much money other people that she had nothing to do with have raised for the funeral, for the costs. I mean, it's just it's un, it's unreal. And I, I, over this last week, my wife and I, are very, I'm being very transparent here, there's been a lot of emotion in our home around this subject because... Uh, we've been in situations in our own personal life. Our whole marriage started off with a crazy journey where Leanne's family was killed in a plane crash but was missing for 13 days. And so for 13 days, we were all believing God that we were going to find them alive and all these different things. And so there was, it was a national news story, same kind of deal. And we, too, were believing God for a miracle. We didn't, that miracle didn't happen there in heaven. And so we, know, we kind of know a little bit about this journey. And I, I, would, I would just say it probably brought up some stuff in us where it's just like, can I just say this? God, your questions don't scare God. I just feel like I need to say that. Your questions don't scare God. In other words, if you're having a moment, anybody ever had a moment before? You know, like a moment? Your moment did not knock him off the throne. And so we're just processing real real things going on and... um, we were coming back from it. We took a trip. So Dallas had a, had a real quick turnaround trip. We had to go to on Wednesday. Came, we were coming back on Thursday morning. And I was, she was leaving, was reading me some of the re- things that were being said and done. And I just, 
I just, I just couldn't believe it. And these words came out of my mouth. I believe by the Spirit, because I'd never had this thought before, but I, these words came out of my mouth that it's an indictment against the church that they are so shocked that a Christian would try to see the dead raised. That is an indictment against the church. That we heard that, that anybody heard that and went, who do they think they are? They've lost their minds. They've fallen off the rocker. This is the, kind, this is the response that the church at large, the world at large in many ways was giving a mom and a dad who lost their two-year-old daughter. And their first response was to believe God for a miracle. And the, the church at large said to that family, how dare you? <laughs> I want to read a scripture from Matthew chapter 10. If it's okay, can we just read this as if it's true? Would that be okay if we actually read the Bible as if it was true? I know that's crazy. And we should be ashamed of ourselves for thinking that this might be true. So some say. We learned this last week. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen what? You've seen the Father. So anytime you see Jesus interacting with humanity, it's a type and shadow of how our Heavenly Father is and wants to interact with us. Is that fair enough? Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 1, says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And these were their names. First, Simon, who's called Peter, his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, his brother John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Verse 5. These 12 regular men, regular Jesus followers, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Notice it says instructions, not suggestions. When you're in, when you're, if you're a teacher in a classroom and you give instructions, what do you expect to happen? Follow the instructions. If, a, if, a, if you're a student in a classroom and a teacher gives instructions and you don't follow the instructions, do you pass the class? No, why? Because it wasn't a suggestion. Instruction means I'm telling you what to do. We live in a world anymore where people don't want to be told what to do. I'm being told that millennials will turn their ears off if you start telling them what to do. All of us in this room at times, we turn our ears off when people try to tell us what to do. Can we just be okay with God telling us what to do sometimes? Is that okay? Can he be Lord? Can he be boss? Can he give us some instructions? He gave these instructions to the 12. He said, do not go amongst the Gentiles or any town of Samaritan. Go to the lost 
sheep of Israel. And as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And this is what I want you to do. Heal the sick. Was that a suggestion or an instruction? Raise the dead. Suggestion or instruction? Cleanse those who have leprosy. Insert whatever disease scares you the most, scares your culture the most. Suggestion or instruction? Drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. What should be more weird? That when someone dies before their time, that the church attempts to raise the dead or that they make fun of someone who tries to raise the dead. Which one should bother us us the most? And every one of us in this room, myself included, better answer this question. When it hit your soul, when you heard it the first, some of you heard that for the first time, that someone tried to raise someone from the dead. Ask yourself the real question, just like I had to. How did it hit my soul? And am I okay being shocked? Am I okay being shocked that a mother and a father did the Bible? Which one is more of an indictment against our creator, against what Jesus came to do? That it shocked me? I, um, I'll wrap up here. I, I, I don't even know if I've said anything yet, to be honest with you. Um, I just, I'm at a place in my life. I've been a Christian my whole life, as long as I can remember. I mean, I literally think I came out into the baptismal. I mean, I'm like, I, as long as far as I know, I was, I just, that's all we've ever known. I have such a, uh, I have the privilege of having been born in a, in a great family, in an amazing home, first-generation Christians. They raised me up. All I ever knew was church. All I ever knew was God. All I ever knew was Jesus. I, I, I've had the luxury of having a, a phenomenal life. And I know a lot of people haven't had that. And I, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And after 37 years, almost 38 years of following Jesus, I now am reading Scripture and going, and I, I may have missed the main point here. Me personally, I'm not telling you what you missed. I'm telling you what Braden missed. What are we doing is what I want to say. I mean, I totally end this. We were talking about this one at home. I'm like, what are we doing? What are we going after? What are we believing God for? Are we believing God? Is this life we're living, is it risky? Is it worthy of, is my life worthy of someone being jarred because my faith is so big, it jars their thinking? Will I ever do anything that when people hear about what I did, they go, oh my gosh, I can't believe he thought God would do this. I can't believe he thinks he has the the authority to pray for this. Or is my life so safe, I will never see my name in the newspaper. As a church, is our life so safe? Is our church so safe? Is what we're doing so safe? Are we so concerned about what other people think? Or here's the lie that sometimes we tell us, well, we don't want to scare off the lost. You ever heard that one? We don't want to freak them out. We don't want to freak them out with a bunch of prophecy 
and supernatural stuff. Oh, you mean the prophetic word Jesus gave the woman? And then she went back to the village of lost people and told them about the prophecy, and they came streaming back to hear him? You mean the entire household that believed in Jesus because they saw a boy get healed because Jesus sent the word? You mean to tell me those lost people, those are the ones we think we're going to scare off because of getting weird, taking risks, obeying the instructions? If... If, if this year was about next year and next year is about the next 10 years, for the next year, I want to take some of the biggest risks I've ever taken in my life. As a church, I want us to take the biggest risks we've ever taken as a church. I want us, <laughs> I, oh, I don't know if I should say this. I want us in the newspaper. I want us on social media. I want someone just some at some point looking at what we're doing, looking at what you are doing in your workplace, look at what you're doing with your family and going, who do they think they are? Who in the world do they think they are? I mean, I, I believe this all my heart. I told you, if, to, to close out this story, the little girl didn't get raised from the dead. The, girl, the, the, the coroner's office said they gave them six days before they had to go ahead and perform the autopsy and move forward. And now they've released a statement. They've moved forward. They're going to have services. And I don't, I don't y'all, if, you, if you follow me on social media, I don't post anything. I don't do anything on social media, but I almost got on social media this time. send a message to this mom and dad to say I'm sorry that it didn't work out for you but thank you for giving somebody's plural the courage to try again some later time because you're willing to try first your willingness to go first is going to give somebody the courage to try again and at some point, Cody said this this morning, when the Lord's words go forth, they do not come back until they have accomplished that which he sent them to accomplish. And let me tell you what words were sent forth. Disciples. Raise your hand if you would consider yourself a disciple. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Drive out the demons. He sent those words forth and he will, they will not come back. They will not come back until it happens. And I'm thankful that someone was willing to go first so that eventually, Lynn, I talked about this. Can you imagine the worldwide revival if that little girl would have been raised from the dead? It will happen. Someday it will happen. I hope it's in Midland, Texas. I hope some crazy people, some lunatics, 
some who-do-you-think-you-are kind of people from Midland, Texas are willing to do something and say, you know what, I can't do this, but I'm willing to make a place in my life, in my world, for God to do something that will blow your mind. Because it's the signs and the wonders and the miracles that are for the unbelievers. Amen. We hope you loved our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great rest of your day.